All right, Kat, are you ready? Let's see, I seem to have somehow lost. That's weird. Uh, give me a second, because that seemed to have lost that window. That's weird. What was uh, it? What was it called, Brandon? The tension or what you said yesterday about the tabs? Oh, uh, the, the suspended thing. Yeah, <laughs> the suspender. No, yeah, that's the thing. Suspender. I don't even have any, like, barely. I'm so not that person. <laughs> so it was funny. It's just when I went into this, redid the Zoom call, it disappeared. Hmm. So um okay let's see so you want me to share my screen right now when, wherever whenever you'd like i haven't started the timer yet so you let me know when you're good to go let's see. yeah so and of course zoom isn't allowing me do you have to do a yeah oh, no, I, I guess that's put, on my side yeah i did put anyone can share screen Okay. Yeah, I should be doing that. Okay. Perfect. Um, are you wanting, should I make it so that you can uh, record? Yeah, if possible. Yeah, at least the audio. Uh, let's see. Course, <laughs> like open system preferences. I have no idea if that'll be quick or uh, it seems to be saying. I don't know. Let's see. Oh, it's like the lock, the lock logo. The lock okay. logo. This guy? Act, yeah. Oh. It's so not obvious. <laughs> oh my God. Try to unlock okay. security. What? Touch ID. So I think it's just saying uh, authenticate this. Uh, let's see if this works. I think my husband has this computer on way too many security things. <laughs> ah, perfect. Okay, that work? Awesome. Cool, cool. Okay, let's see if I can get this. I had it all. Okay. Booyah. Let's see if I can check that. Okay, so all ready to do my interpretive trance that you're going to make me do in here in a second. <laughs> oh, joy. Um, so, okay. So a lot of you, right, you've seen a lot of my, the ad nauseum on the hypermobility. <laughs> but um, today I just wanted to kind of look at doing a, specifically what I did with one client. Um, much like, I love how all our presentations kind of feed off of each other. So much like Jen was saying, I'd like to be the presenter that I would want to see at a workshop, right? And a lot of times I found the person would talk in a lot of generalities, but like, what do you actually do with the person, right, when you get them? So I'm going to look a little bit at that. Um, and this case was actually interesting because uh, in the beginning, there was actually two, was two neighbors that I'm working with. Um, and I was actually able to work with them in person because we're sort of in the same pod. They look very similar. They look like sisters, same weight, same height, same eye color, like everything. They look very similar, but that's where the similarities ended. Because <laughs> um, one of them, uh, I did their assessment separately. One of them ended up actually, she was most likely on the hype, somewhere on the spectrum of hypermobility. 
she'd actually never heard of any of the stuff that I've talked about that I've told you guys of all the complexities of this condition. Um, so it was pretty interesting. She did the same thing that everybody does, the eyes bug out and they go, oh my God, yeah, I have all of that. <laughs> um, so she's 37 year old mom of two. She only had like a lot of hypermobiles, history of dance and yoga, um, but pretty high functioning. She's probably not an Ehlers-Danlos, more likely just, she just has some laxity, which has created some of these issues here, right? You got the hip and the low back pains. She had a, a stress fracture in her foot um, about a year ago, and she has some felon wrist stuff that comes up. And this is what you see, like what I've talked about in the other presentations, that wandering gnome of pain. <laughs> So if they go to a therapist or chiropractor, they're, you know, the assessment, the little guy that you see, like, where's your pain? Be like, how many do you want me to tick off? Like from today, yesterday, this week, this month, like the whole body could be covered. Um, so she had some definitely, for her, these were sort of just niggling in the background. They weren't, this hip definitely flares up, but it wasn't bugging her uh, at present. And the main form of exercise was walking. She uh, had had a little experience with weights in the past, uh, but wasn't doing anything presently. So big picture of what we're gonna look at in this little 20 minutes um, is the overall, I'm gonna tell you kind of what I do overall, which is not too dissimilar from what I would do with any other client, right? Looking at their breath, trying to increase global strength, and that stacking of the ribs over the pelvis, um, helping specifically for hypermobiles, it's this tension, trying to get them to learn to hold tension because uh, it's hard to do when half of your bones are distracted. Um, and then again, specifically to hypermobiles, it's managing all that range that they have, all those degrees of freedom. And then I'll just talk specifically what I did when we were training and an issue came along, what did I do with that? Okay. So her initial program, when she came, again, I had both of them in the beginning, I had both of them together, but we, and so, and the other one was fairly deconditioned. So I could kind of do the same program and it was, it was, it was worked for them. Um, so again, it's always working with that breathing because I think breathing has so many different effects. It's a huge um, breadth of what you can accomplish by just working on breathing. Those, my clients who have, she didn't have too much anxiety with breathing, so I was able to coach her with stuff, but some of my clients who are anxious about breathing, I just sit them in that 90-90, which that 90-90 is just lying on your back with your feet up on a chair, 90 degrees in flexion of your hip and your knee. Um, so just have their legs up, and some of the people who have anxiety about it, just breathe, I'll just notice how they breathe. And then as, as I work with them a little more, they get a little more comfortable. I might be like, maybe slow that down a little bit, get that exhale a little longer, try to work on those ribs down, right? So we worked on all, all those concepts with her. Um, just doing some rolling, right? Back and forth, doing the, just rolling on your back, but also rolling sideways <clears throat> to see, can she, you know, the connection between the upper and the lower body. Can she move her upper body with her legs falling behind? Does she have to use her legs a ton? Can, you know, what's that connection between the two? Can she roll at all? Um, and then bridges, this posterior, this posterior line, these bridges and hamstring bridges. Because um, most of my folks can't feel a hamstring to save their lives. Um, okay, 
That said six minutes? No, I'm oh, sorry, 15. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, huh? <laughs> I'm like, I'm now in a time warp. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, the hamstring bridges, uh, a lot of these guys cannot feel a hamstring to save their life. When I have them go up in a bridge with just, they're in that 90-90 position, and then just jam the heels into the, into the you know, whatever they're on, a bench, chair. Um, and they will just say, I feel my leg, or they feel nothing. Um, so all they have in their brain is just a leg. I say it as the Google map. All they can see is California. They can't see Oakland or they can't see right, specifically a San Diego. What okay. are you having me do? Um, so, uh, we're going to kind of roll. I'm the five-year-old of one of these moms okay. and you're going to try to explain to me what's going on. So I'll, I'll be here. So what are you doing with my mom? With your mom. So I've actually done this before. Um, <laughs> So your mommy's having a little trouble finding her hamstrings. So we're going to push. What, yeah, so that's this muscle in the back of your leg up on the top. And why don't you do it with me? You can lie on your back next to your mom and put a chair up. Well, why is this other lady here? <laughs> they are friends. And they, wanted to, they thought it would be more fun to work out together. Are they so, okay? Yeah, they're totally fine. We're just helping them get stronger. And Am I strong enough? I, you're very strong. Let's see you do this exercise. Well, why aren't they strong enough? What's wrong? They are, she's having some issues a little bit with the hip, but we're going we're gonna to make her stronger. So and she hurts? A little bit sometimes. Not a big deal. We can always fix that and get that better. How do you know how to help her? Because I've had lots and lots of training and been doing this a very long time. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to try to. Okay. <laughs> okay, now talking to a five year old again. I literally had to do that one time. <laughs> so it's really funny that you did that one. Um, <laughs> and she was four. <laughs> so um, then also these bear holds, getting the, just trying to get those ribs. Uh, closer to the pelvis, trying to get her to feel those ribs coming down, getting that compression. Um, specifically for her, she had the foot stuff. So she was kind of that duck walk a little bit, uh, externally rotated. She liked to hang on that outside edge. So what we were trying to get her inside edge. Thank you, Mr. Barr, right? Getting that big, that big toe, going through that big toe in second ray. Uh, feeling the weight going in that middle of that tripod of that foot. Um, and then just working on the hinge as well. Um, if you guys all remember the oldie but goodie with uh, Greg, Greg Cook, I think, with the FMS. Just putting the dowel behind the head and getting three points of contact to feel that hinge. Um, I think it's still, it's, it's effective still, especially for this population. Um, by week six, all those things that we were working on through the whole program, that has now become kind of her warm up. And again, going off another presentation of, I think Savink was working on the, the warm ups, how she was, it was, it's awesome to be able to do all that adaptive and variable kind of fun warm up. Unfortunately, with this population, sometimes if you do that, that can flare them up and all, they already have so much variability, I sort of have to hem them in a little bit. Um, so, I love doing warm-ups that are fun and dynamic like that. Um, but sometimes, especially in the beginning, um, wow, 
there's big thunder over here. Um, sorry. <laughs> so, um, so sort of hemming them in and doing very specific little warm-ups um, in the beginning. Eventually, I want to get them to where they can do fun things like hold a ball against the wall, um, which I thought was super fun to watch. Um, but this was kind of her warm-up. And then we just started doing these global, like how's a squat feel? How's a push-up? How's a row, a step-up, et cetera? Um, so working with those degrees of freedom, okay, I'm going to put that over there. Uh, working with those degrees of freedom, it's again, just working those references. So for her, this is literally how we did the squat. I held the kettle, I have the kettlebell out, but we had the kettlebell pulled into to her chest, but I had a tubing around her. She was going to a bench. And then a lot of times we worked these isometrics, literally holding the squat, feeling her sits bones on the bench. So she could feel the sits bones and she could feel herself go anterior, posterior, anterior, posterior. She, like most hypermobiles, was all anterior tilt in the pelvis, a lot of extension. So I tried to get her to come into a little more flexion, get that posterior tilt, and then just come off the bench just a teeny bit. Hold that, come back down. Hold that, come back down. Um, and that really helped her find position of a squat. Squat's very hard for this population because there's so much to, to uh, organize in the spine, especially when you're loaded from, from the spine. Um, from the top of the spine. So, and then compression, she really liked using bands to hold her together. That also felt really great for her. Um, and then just decreasing range. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, so this is sort of, I just, because we're a bunch of movement geeks, um, the uh, seeing like most hypermobile, right? It's this big, huge range of motion. Is she super active in here? Probably not. Uh, she like, I was saying intentional, but intention, like sort of a pun on the words, creating tension. So this move could become something like this. If they went to a yoga class, it'd be like, dude, that's probably about the range that I want. Um, with getting more of the ribs down, legs super active, pulling together. Um, and then just as I was taking this picture, I was literally doing that yesterday. Uh, humorously, I started taking the picture and I was recognizing as kind of movement geeks, like I was trying to do one movement and like one, I have, I have a ton of anterior tilt, one, my little transverse rotation in the hip, um, like tons of things are going on here and I was trying to do one movement. If I was trying to show more variation, I could have 300 pictures here. So it's just like really like, like sort of, hammering it in that there's so much variability in, in a hypermobile body and how much movement is going on. No.
and mute. There we go. Now we're good, yeah? Okay. So hopefully you could understand that. I was saying we tried this motion. Um, all we had to do, she wasn't in pain. All I need to do is just find a hip. So she just did, I think we literally did one set of this, one set of this, got back up. She went into here, her left hip felt fine. Um, so it was just saying hello, turning that on. I hate using that, but just, she just found her hip, found those muscles, and they were able to pull that femur back um, and she felt a lot better. Um, and then in essence, right? Like that, this tactic that I used, I might use this, try to use this the next time and another day, and it might completely fail, right? And she might go, no, it's still bugging. So I will have to try a different exercise, maybe try it over, maybe try more reps of that. Um, it's just different things are gonna have to, it was a tactic that worked for that day, worked for that particular client. Some days I'm gonna use a different approach. And then also, unlike many of the, right, a lot of the, uh, the systems that we all go to, right, or the workshops, they're like, this is the system, this is what works, and this is the only way to do it. It's like, that's not gonna be the thing that's all the time. I could give that this same client could go to all any and all of you and you might have you're going to put your own different sauce on it like we're all different chefs and we're going to put our different seasoning there'll be some similarities there'll be a basic similarity probably working with that client but we're all going to have our different background our different biases <clears throat> our different techniques and tactics of how to get that person to be stronger and able to be right I'm always talking about durability for the long haul um to just get them, what can we get you to do? Much like how Brandon was saying, right? Not, um, not going full bore like all the time, like just get it done. Um, so uh, just different things are gonna work, different days and different strategies are gonna work for each different person, okay? Um, and then also, also kind of going from what Brandon was saying, the, what was interesting is the first session she was like, okay, what, what homework do I need to do? And also often of, of what, the, what we were talking about just this morning, like I need to do, what should I do? What, what's the next thing I do? And oftentimes with these clients, I just say, no, we just did that hour. Your body is, I'm gonna let that stuff percolate in your body. Just, I don't want you to do anything. Just nothing outside of the, the time that we meet. Slowly I ramped that up, but she was just so, she was like, I, nothing, I just, nothing. <laughs> So it's instead of that beast, like but beast master, and Brandon's never going to talk to me again. Um, <laughs> the task master, right? Um, of just go, go, go. I want you to now. I want you to run five days of the week, right? Just chill, especially with this group working with a ton of fatigue. You really have to work on that minimal effective dosage. So, and I think that's uh, yeah. We need some cat meme humor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, there we go. Awesome. Thank you. Any uh, thoughts? Yes, a little baby claps from everybody. Um, right. Any thoughts from the group? Comments, questions? Nice job going granular. Uh, really actually dive, deep, deep diving into what you actually did. I right. think a lot of people find that valuable as a guideline versus like we've all been kind of skating on big concepts and 
good yeah. job bringing it into like the granular. Yeah, that's what I sometimes like. I like I said, like I know it's. We're always all like, well, I generally just do this and do this and do that. And like, some I realized I'm like, oh, I forget that. Like, what did you really do? Like, what on that day and if the specific issue? What do you do? I always sort of appreciate that when presenters do that. Agree so. and second that it was cool to see the actual pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. I'm glad. Hopefully that was helpful. <laughs> yeah, funny enough, it's really interesting that you actually like told like talked about my warm up. I am hypermobile, like super hypermobile. Hate but, that kind of hypermobile. <laughs> right. But you're high functioning, right? Um, I think I became like that because I started uh, sports when I was like four. Yeah, like that's, that's my theory is that the, the people that are high functioning, the ballerinas and gymnasts, it's very, very high volume, a lot of strength, and it actually protects you and keeps you stronger and keeps you from being injured at the early stages. Yeah, I mean, I did get a lot of injuries and I did have a lot of pain in the past. I think I started like understanding what hyper, like uh, not understanding really, but how my body works because I didn't know that hypermobility required like the tension was gone and how do I actually feel my foot like sometimes mm -hmm. I don't know where my legs are like I'm doing all yeah. this movements like in dance it's so hard because you have to make a shape mm -hmm. and I think like I, like I have memorized like how what to do and how much momentum to give to be able to make a shape but I didn't really feel it for a very long time until I started being able to like understand the tension and do like one hour of physiotherapy exercises like the ones that you described yeah. like really small and really like um restricted. basic and just yeah. restricted kind of things like I did that for three years one hour every day and sometimes even one hour in the night and mm -hmm. that then I started being able to like more okay now I actually feel what I'm doing instead of yeah. like trying to memorize and teach like and look like because I was just constantly thinking my brain was thinking trying to do whatever I needed to do instead of just doing it myself mm -hmm. yeah so this like this presentation is like oh it takes me back to <laughs> yeah I couldn't do that right but that's what I'm saying like for her she's in that spot and then hopefully she can roll with a ball on the wall and do crazy things but again right? yeah definitely hypermobility in that sense can be such a blessing once you manage like the pain symptoms and understand the tension and yeah. it's great that they have you because not a lot of people understand hypermobility yeah no not at all for sure yeah, thanks for the presentation. It was great yeah, to see all the steps. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Anybody else? Huh? I have a question. After you, uh, after your client uh, learned or realized where, how to activate her butt, mm -hmm. uh, was she able to understand and use it for the other trainings or did you have to remind her every training? Like, does it go away or does it stick in mind? So that's literally what I told her after we did it. She's like, oh my God, that's so cool. And I said, that could last five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour. What happens usually is that initial 
would maybe last half the day, a day. Do the exercise again, she keeps doing the exercises, it keeps, and then it holds longer and longer, usually. And then just depending, even with the women's cycle, the menstrual cycle, like when you get in that luteal phase those last two weeks, it affects the collagen and you can just have a week where your body's like, um, and so she can get symptomatic. It also decreases pain tolerance. So um, they can get symptomatic just randomly. So super fun. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes it'll last five minutes. Sometimes it'll last five days, you know? So. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Rufus, are you ready? <laughs> uh, I'm ready. Yes, I'm ready. I'm super nervous, guys. And since I'm back and forth or back to back, like I can envision this taking sort of a like fade in question and answer into the Team Coast thing because they are for me directly related. And I said yesterday at the end that I wanted to apologize for taking up so much space. And the reason that I am talking so much is that I've never been so lonely in my life as COVID-20 <laughs> in your aisle. Holy cow. And I want to give you a little more background onto that, right? And we're already fading into the presentation because we're in open-handed listening techniques, right? So I mean that in so many different ways. It's not even funny because COVID is not funny. And 2020 is mm, not feeling funny. I'm having to dig deep to find some laughter, my friends, because before COVID even happened, me and my wife decided it was a cool idea for her to go to Antarctica and go be a mechanic down there. So I've been spending this life in Deer Isle, Maine, and she's been spending it down there. She's currently down there with 139 other people. Uh, it's cold. It's really cold. Anyway, and then COVID happened, and here we are in Deer Isle. And I'm all amped up and dysregulated and want to own that because the social scene here, we've lost five individuals to sudden death, suicide, overdose, etc. since February, since February in their 30s. So when we're talking about bringing it down to the granular and bringing it down into the, and this is an island of 3,000 people year round. That's crazy numbers to me. And I'm talking to public health experts locally and saying, hey, hey, what's happening? And they're saying, I didn't know about those numbers. And you're like, what? I just try to understand it in a cross comparative kind of way. And they're like, why are you using this language? You are working on a fishing boat. And I'm like, I know, I know. That's an at-risk population, isn't it? So that's why I talk so much right now because I've been spending it there. And that work life right now means about 50 hours a week of constant movement, constant, constant. So when I'm talking about open-handed listening techniques, I'm talking about undoing cultural bias that treats people as disposable and in a work-specific context, since I've been doing this now for three years and going from a position where uh, in the middle of the day, my hands would be going like this, and in the middle of the night, my hands would be going like this, and I'd be waking up being like, oh my God, I can't feel my whole arm. This is terrible. What's going on? Both hands is the point. Both hands, right? And thank you for bearing with me through this. The point that I'm showing you my hands like this is you can see they're kind of messed up. They're not actually that messed up. They're pretty cool and they do a lot of stuff. 
Uh, but they have a lot of like calluses and things and hand management I've found has been very important because the person who taught me most of this, one of the first things they said was, this might sound a little strange. And he sounded nothing like that at all. But this might sound strange. You're going to become a hand fetishist. And this is a gentleman who digs clams out of the mud bare hand. So he's punching into mud, concrete, thick mud, and grabbing out clams, literal clams, for a living, right? What? So that's a different kind of open-handed listening technique to me, going into the little hole that the clam makes and going, I'm going to find you, and grabbing it out. I asked him what was the best way to learn that. He said, greed. Greed? I think that's part of the problem. I think that's a huge part of the problem. So I'm going to go over here and show you what I wear for work. I'm going to bridge back to what Brandon did in terms of the guy who's like this with the glasses like that and the this like that and understand that sometimes that armor is not just about social distancing, but also about PPE. And the point of all this open-handed listening technique is that our best PPE, this, but it's not our head, it's our body, body. What I really appreciate about this group and how it has accelerated my learning is that people like Chris and people like Zainab don't beat around the bush on like, let's get into the data part, right? I had a conversation with Zainab where she was talking about Descartes and she just goes, it's just wrong, it's just wrong. What whole philosophy is built on that? Wrong, incorrect. I'm talking with Chris early on in the stage where I'm like, if we're going back to Jen's presentation and she's saying, what stage in this whole process are you? I'm going to Chris and being like, uh, yeah, how do we get people excited about core work? And she's like, oh, we don't, we just don't. I was like, oh, okay, all right. So without too much further ado, I'm gonna show you my PPE, what I'm doing in the day to warm up. I'll be doing it tomorrow at 3 a.m. I wake up, I make coffee, right? Here we are. I'm sorry if the light's blurred out. Like I did my own, whatever, art games. And, oh my gosh. By the way, guys, I'm just letting this ride out. There's going to be no, I don't want this performance piece to ride all the way out. So I'm going to just let them go. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. go through one of these pairs of gloves every day. You know how disposable and shitty that is? It's bad, but it's good for my hands <laughs> because they get all kinds of stuff in them because I'm going to show you in just a second. Check this out. That's the boot. Can you see that? Can you see that funky texture? That's because the juices of the bait don't like the rubber. Do they like my skin? I hope not. Ooh. There's the boot. And then 
his other boot. You can't see me very well, but it doesn't matter because you know it's 4 a.m. and you can't see anyway. <laughs> and then, oh wait, suddenly it's raining because you're on the water or it's spray. Let's put on your raincoat. <sighs> okay, ready to go. What are we doing? What are we actually doing? Well, it's hard to show you because it's out on the water right now, but keep in mind it's like 80 degrees right now and you're gonna be working in this plastic suit. So you better practice up. And you're gonna use something. This is the wrong one. This is the right one. It's a gaff. To me, it looks a little bit like a stick mobility stick, except this one doesn't cost a hundred million dollars. This costs 20 bucks, $20. And look, it's got a tool on the end that's critical to my job. And I can use it to do broomstick exercises. So why I call this open-handed listening techniques is because working with these guys, think movement and having the empowerment piece to say, uh, don't pay attention to Descartes, uh, listen to yourself, felt a lot like meeting the guy who told me, you're gonna become a hand fetishist. You're gonna go dig those clams. And because I've been dealing with things like five people right here, oh my heart, holy cow. I've needed something to do this season because, oh right, Antarctica. So I started playing with another toy that's a lot like a stick mobility thing, except instead of costing $100 million, it costs $1.80. And it's readily available as driftwood here on the beaches because it comes off the bottom of the lobster trap. So what I started doing, and people, I tell people I'm doing this around here and they're like, why are you juggling trap runners? That's what this is called. It's a four foot piece of wood that, oh, it looks a lot like the things you might see people balancing on. Cool, it costs $1.80 at the, at the fish store. Cool, and I've been doing things like this. And then I told people I was doing that and they were like, don't you know what's going on in the world? There's protests, people. There's men with sticks hitting people. I'm like, oh, I know, but you know what we could do with them? Put them down and use our hands. How many minutes do I have? You're at, you're just over 10 left. What? I have so much time. I'm so <laughs> hot. I need to take this off. But this is actually what my workday is like. Going back and forth between that gear and into this lunchbox. Because in this lunchbox, I have everything that I need, which includes personal documents, the way the world is going, watch out, extra sunglasses, a hat, it gets cold quickly, another shirt, one, two, three. I can't juggle like that. These are 40 ounces of water each. I drink it all on the boat because we're there for 10 hours in the exposed sun. 
some sunscreen, some coffee. But the cool thing about these are, how much do they weigh? 40 ounces. I don't know, it doesn't matter, but what can I use them to do? Oh, explore, maybe, figure it out. And why I talk in this sort of loose way about it is because I'm working with people that are like, dude, you're stretching. Why are you being Jane Fonda? I'm like, I'm not being Jane Fonda, but if you want me to be, I can try. Okay? Okay. So, what is that all to say? I should tell you a little bit more about what the work is. Uh, in that 10-hour day, we're taking about, I don't know, 800 pounds of bait, and I'm stuffing it into lots of little pockets about this big. And then, this is not what it looks like, but I can pretend it's about actually that long a little bait needle and I take that pocket and I stuff it on here and then I go ooh, and I put it in the trap and I take the bait needle away and that is what it looked like to me when I started three hours three years ago not three hours ago was such mm, craziness you know like what are they doing on this boat I don't know how to keep up I don't want to do the work this sucks there's dead fish and it smells bad and it hurts me and the salt is burning me. And oh, oh, oh no, this is the worst. Oh goodness. And now, three years later, I'm a lot better at the work, but my pay has dropped because it's a share-based industry and the fishery is not doing so hot. So I'm doing the same amount of work for a lot less dough. Oh no. And where am I headed with this? Who knows? My brain's cooked. My brain's fried. You can all tell. But that's why we let the body take over. Right? Descartes, wrong. Mind, body, same thing. Yep. No question. And that is a useful thing because the amount of time that I spent trying to figure out how to hold my body and what was the right way to stand and lift and do all these things, I had to let it improvise. Because when I was cooked, at the end of those 50 hours of movement, of taking those 800 pounds of things, moving them one, two, three, four, five times, each trap is about 60 pounds. That's about a third of my body weight. <gasps> you know? And so functional fitness, it's cool. It's really cool. But those objects in real time are different when we think about them like that. And here's where we go into my desktop. But I can't um, do the sharing because I'm on the uh, other kind of phone. <laughs> right all right what happens when we multitask right this is what happens i heard about the like tab suspender look at how i operate look at all those little things look at all these documents it's not good for the health but you know what neither is heroin this article right here is junk it's trash i'm empowered by think movement to just say that and move on from the literature. Why I say that is because it doesn't really pay attention to facts and it tells a lot of stories. You can look it up if you want and read it, but I wouldn't bother. If I was trying to help lobstermen deal with their pain management, I would be going to places like Mindset Matters, Exercise and the Placebo Effect. I mentioned it yesterday. Basically, it says, tell people that they're going to do okay, you know, and that their movement, whatever it is, is cool. And what do they need? That goes back to the beginning of today. Instead, we get 
things like drug use on the coast, examining the opioid epidemic in Maine lobster fishing communities. I can tell you another thing doesn't work. When you snowball your survey sample off of your original article, that's called disinformation at work. <sighs> anyway, I'm getting a little luxury and that's into my like rage zone right now. Thank you for the five minutes. I'm going to try to tune down by taking the rest of my gear off and playing a little more with my sticks. Oh, because that's what I need right now. Oh. We're at the end of the day. So it's interesting to me because we're trying to design these public health ideas around ideas that, mm, are they good, are they bad? When I look at the public health efforts at workplace wellness, thinking about the CDC, thinking about all of that junk, it's about sedentary problems, right? But there's this whole other population that on the other end of it is struggling with pain management and getting prescribed drug after drug after drug by people who have that same problem that is a really excellent teacher. So this has been a short public service announcement about, oh, it's coming close to my daughter's sleep. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm so sorry, because your daughter is actually way more important than anything I have to say here. Truth. Uh, this has been a public service announcement about the power of using both the either or and the both hand. We need them both. Because it's both greed that got us here, and it's greed for our own health and wellness It's going to get us out. I am so greedy for it. I never want to do another lick of work that is so undercompensated. It's so bad for the health. No wonder people burn out. No wonder. Any questions? Perfect. I, first of all, goodness gracious. Wow. Uh, performance. You can tell I'm fired up. Yes. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the crowd go. Anybody, can you process that? Can you internalize and can you form a question? It all happened really fast. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why we have a video. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to watch the recording for sure because at first, it, I didn't, like it just, it was so smooth transition. Everything was just a, I don't know how to say it, like a flow of thoughts. So I was like, at some point, is this the presentation? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it was very improvisational. Um, and you ended with a pretty clear message. It was sort of like, uh, I mean, I'm just kind of like throwing my, my internal response. I was like, oh, this is like someone uh, acting out something like uh, kind of like Shakespearean rather than like, I'm going to give you a lecture. It's like, I'm going to use my body to tell this crazy story you're never gonna forget and I'm like like it, it just kind of I'm like yeah this use real people but you did get all serious about it you were trying to play a little bit into the seriousness which comedy that's the gift of comedy is you talk about serious stuff to make us remember without triggering like a, an anger response and showing a lot about yourself so I appreciate that that's that's 
that's hard to, to be that vulnerable and just blah, you know, just put it out there. So good job. Yeah, I definitely agree that I now know a lot about the lobster man's struggles and the problematic. Yeah, like more than before, for sure. And uh, you really gave the feeling of that. Um, I don't know how to say it. I don't have the word in English, I think. Like, What's so the word in not English, please? Um, I would say, okay, like to like, you know, there is like a pretty close, like imagine two walls really close together, but there is also a lot of things happening inside. So it's like a pressure, like you're stuck in there, but there's like a pressure thing as well. It's like, I, I kind of got the feeling of, wow, like, what would happen if somebody actually pay attention to that uh, problems and it would probably help a lot of people. It, it kind of piggybacks on uh, the populations that are disregarded and neglected, right? And you talk about populations and then you talk about people. I mean, in talking with Rufus, this idea between labor as the ultimate fitness, the ultimate purposeful fitness, has really expanded because again, most movement culture people, like, you know, they wake up when they would like and, and they, uh, right, they go to their, they have their coffee, then they go to their gym and they do their practice and then, you know, they stop. But, but the folks who use their bodies for hours a day, labor-wise, they, they don't have that luxury. And so they think this movement stuff is crazy. Uh, and, the, and the movement people are like, well, who cares about you, right? I just want the fish. So it's, a, it's an interesting collision of worlds um, in this aspect that mm -hmm. they, they probably have a lot to teach us because again, they're doing the same task and trying to get efficient of it on it hours and hours and hours a day. Uh, we could probably learn a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of potential for the remix like I was saying yesterday of like in the warm-up space. That's one area that I think a lot about is the... Um, individuals that don't want to warm up before the day and don't have any idea about what the warm-up is and then I'm hearing some of that come from the movement place so trying to find the places that it, it is actually intersecting uh more so than the other and then those practical things of maybe there's a market of people that wants to buy trap runners instead that do effectively the same thing right but it's a buck 80 so if we're talking about accessibility just shifting that that paradigm to like oh this isn't a fitness tool but it does about the same thing and that yeah sorry I have the irrigation box as my plyo box, right? Perfect. Twenty-five oh. bucks, <laughs> right? Like it's a landscape irrigation box. Yeah. Like, nice. I, I think uh, as I was watching, I, I thought it was really neat. You know, when you were amped up and you're like, "I need to amp down," you took the sticks and you started playing with them. And as you played with them, everything calmed. And like, we could see what you were doing, but again, it was, it was like that, like Zainab was saying, that multitasking diffused the energy so that everything, so that the output that you wanted to come down, you, the stimulus was still high, but you just split it. So I just thought that was, kind of yeah. The movement and yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool, thank you. Yeah, anybody else? Um, Rufus, it was mm. awesome. 
uh, yeah, it, it it took me some time to you know like understand that it is the presentation. <laughs> <laughs> But if we're gonna reach out to people, I guess this must be the way. You know, it's really much more interesting than anything else. You know, like infographics or like you know like. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do infographics. <laughs> <laughs> it was just awesome. Thank you. And also, it maybe think uh, made me think about that this, uh, you know, like the other populations, uh, other than the office workers, you know, other than the uh, urban people, you know, like there are these other people provide us with certain things, and yet. Um, There are those five people. Hmm. Well, and I've, I've worked with a couple of different um, like manual laborers and it's such a stoic group. I don't know if it's like that with the fishermen as well, but you start like trying to get them to talk about, well, what are you experiencing? And you start to realize that you've got, they've got all these things going on and they've learned to just be really quiet about it, was you know, which is this, too. what's that? He's in New England too, which is... Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, no, but it's, I think that's exactly when I'm, if we wanted to get deeper into the literature of it, there is that stereotype, but the like, the talking, I think it's a different mode of talking that's going on and the talk through work is a, is a really important place where that happens. And the funny thing why I say that article was such junk is because that's exactly the stereotype that's actually driving the uh, efforts behind the public health and saying, wait a second, the person that you're trotting out in this article, I actually know to be a poet, participating in something that's across like Fisher Poets thing uh, with, I think in Portland is where, or somewhere in Oregon. Um, anyway, it's like, wait a second, what are we even doing? How are we driving this? And that was part of the conversation with Chris and Zainab about, does this even make sense after we're trying to get, and a lot of it is grant motivated, like, oh, there's money for this kind of thing, so. Story painted. Yeah, way. but yes, the stoicism is also very real, and I think part of that is from like if you're doing stuff like that for in full exposure, like you're, you're my most of my eye contact during the day is with crabs, not even lobsters. You know. Hmm. Hmm. I, I think this is an awesome segue. Uh, so if we take it uh, right, so general overview and we'll kind of like keep it there just so general overview of um, team coasts is that life happened and and people basically had to pull out to be like i need to take care of this which makes sense um in the time of covid and change and all that stuff um generally what happened is kind of uh so rufus you know got the assignment and then just went at it so he went at it and you know the presentation happened But the two folks, while they were trying to, you know, stay in it, had trouble agreeing because they didn't know where they were coming from. You know, everyone wanted to kind of give their own input and their own situation instead of being like, hey, this thing is done. Let's just work with that. So what I, what I would think would be awesome is if, so if Rufus kind of presents his uh, version of the group activity, which was, again, uh, mental health combined with physical practice. Yeah, I I want to reflect a little bit on that team experience because what I did was send out an outline. I, my dog is barking. I go, hey, Bert, come on. Come on, buddy. Um, 
I sent out a full outline of something that I actually want, which is I think those boots, like both because they degrade in the face of the bait juice and everything. Uh, and the fact that th they have this like thick foamy sole and I've never been able to find anything that really gives me the traction I want on the, on the bolt sole. I, I threw out an idea of barefoot style uh, work boots, thinking that that could be something interesting and also have some crossover appeal into the fitness worlds. I got a lot of strong pushback from one of the team members that was like, I just can't get behind marketing another product as a way to sell a social thing. And it was like pretty forceful. And I was like, Oh, that hurts my feelings. But also I was like, yeah, I don't want to market another product either. I don't want any of these products to exist, but here we are. We need PPE. And the pushback got me to think about more finely during the day, what was going on with my foot and would the barefoot boot actually help what I was trying to accomplish. Um, so the pushback with the, with the team was interesting in that way. And as you know, that happened, when did we start getting these team assignments? Uh, I think June, June, July, July, yeah. July. So part of my, part of the shift in my emphasis and interest towards more of the mental health and personal person to person engagement uh, was because of what's been going on on the local level, right? Back then we only had three of those five and now we've got five. So it's feeling like a really personal piece of saying, oh no, whatever, whatever. If we're making a public health thing, that's cool. But COVID's happening and life is happening right now. So I don't know, the, like, the team approach, while it fell apart, was really, really helpful to shape the thoughts and feelings. Excellent insight. So your market is? My market is my peers, <laughs> the people who are dropping and doing this work and feeling, uh, I think, quite a bit of social pressure from the kind of bias against what they do. Uh, yeah, we can, I, could, I would get back into that drug use on the coast article to talk about that bias that's been driving it. Uh, but yes, my peers, 30 something dudes. And it's not just dudes in the lobster fishing industry, but it primarily is. Uh, and when we're talking about risk factors and mortality and morbidity from the opioid epidemic, that at least is the one of the categories of people that is being focused on. Here in Maine for a long time, that was the category of people being focused on the only occupational group, which in an everyday way, I think we can maybe agree without too much presumption that uh, drug use and addiction is not an occupationally specific thing, although it might uh, be told that story-wise that way. But I don't know. I've known a lot of peers and watched this thing unfold since the very beginning. And um, no, I just can't, I can't get with it in that same, same sort of way. So yeah, peers are the audience. And you, you would reach them through like the tap on the shoulder, just conversation one by one? Practically speaking, that's what's been going on. When I initially pitched the barefoot boot idea, I was like, of course, we're going to sell this on Instagram because that's where all the barefoot cool stuff gets sold. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, eh, maybe that's not such a good idea. Right now, practically speaking, it's a tap on the shoulder and trying to demonstrate those moves like the broomstick moves and the gaff moves. I've just been doing them on the deck of the boat when we're coming back in to sell and people see it and I think they think I'm a clown and that's fine. Um, but maybe they try it out with their gaff or see something different. Was there a particular slogan or um, as far as attention grabber? Uh, today, today, as I was listening and thinking about it, I went back to an old YouTube cult favorite, uh, Shoes 
I don't know if you guys ever heard that one, but there's a funny song that you can look up on YouTube called Shoes. And the basic chorus is, these shoes suck. And <laughs> that was, the, that was the, the jump off with that, because they all suck. And the picture that I don't have available on the screenshot right now was of my bare feet standing on a pile of boots. Okay, awesome. It's less, way less professional than round one team. And, it, and it, again, that we're trying, and that's the thing, the idea is, again, can you be objective without comparing? But inherently, that's what we do. Um, could, you, could you kind of uh, round things up with the statement between how the footwear or how having, uh, quote unquote, better feet would uh, align to better health, mental health? Uh Sure. And that is a, another practical embodied. I think of it like a clinical parole. When I started the job, I really didn't like sliding around in my boots. And I started in a size 10. I'm now in a size 13. Through this process, I learned a lot about how important my feet were to my own hypersensitivity and learned a lot about how many sensory integration issues I had. I had a lot of uh, incredible what's the word for misophonia, I think, when you're really sensitive to sound and learn that it wasn't actually always a sound-based phenomena. Uh, that's translated now into other areas. But the idea being, if we're paying attention to the little sources of pain sometimes that are coming out from things like the PPE that's protecting us uh, and the ability to move within it, or even just as simply as having our foot have enough room, maybe that's a place to focus not just the heaviness of the labor. The labor is heavy and hard, but we can adapt our bodies to it if we take these kinds of training approaches. Hmm. Awesome. So in that, that sincere form of healthcare or, or self-care where I'm going to take care of my feet, I'm taking care of myself, I'm valuable. Yeah. And I think acknowledging the, the reality of these um, you know, I, I've been here for four years and not been able to make an appointment at a doctor. The last time I went to a doctor for a musculoskeletal problem, I was told that human bodies are not designed to have their, uh, to work over their head by a doctor, right? So that influenced my desire to go to a doctor when I did have that numbness again. Luckily, I found a PT that said we can work with this. And luckily, I found Instagram that said, here's some stuff, try it, this broomstick work, this this kind of work, that's what led me to, okay, breaking muscle and here's, here's someone working, Jen, with like, oh, this squat technique and you get down here. That's what led me here. So it's, uh, I think that's the central innovation is the willingness to say, to tap into what is my own embodied reality? What am I seeing in my own life, right? And go with that getting like that initiating with that piece of the psychological why is this person not interested and tap into that curiosity what's the problem you're trying to solve right now for yourself and giving that i think you can do it some of that attitude is coming too from a previous job i had here on the island of being a basketball coach and it was just i mean high school basketball coach we're talking about pe uh things of what i heard being said about the children of being like either you just never learn the fundamentals and you're never going to be good at basketball. I mean, like, I just don't know how that's going to help anyone learn them. It's, it's probably not. I think probably getting told you're an okay person and have some intelligence. Uh, what is it? Let's find out. Awesome. What a nice, like finish there. Uh, it just wraps it, it culminates everything. Uh, I really, I really appreciate you guys letting me ramble like this. Um, and 
it helps form the ideas for me as well. So I would say I'm in that early, early stage of figuring out how to package this down and having this kind of live feedback is really helpful. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, all right, Team Bay, group project. What'd you come up with? What Nothing, we're gonna sign off. We didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Jen's going to start us off. <laughs> we were looking at anxiety, which affects 40 million people in the U.S. a year. 40 million. It is the most diagnosed mental health disorder in the United States. And just like Sinep said when she was presenting, there's more than likely it's a higher number, right? Because we don't actually, a lot of people don't actually go to the doctor when they start having these sorts of symptoms. So we're looking at anxiety and we're looking specifically at anxiety with busy moms. The basic crux of our presentation is a strong body cultivates a strong mind. It turns out there's actual research to support this, which, which Catherine is going to talk about, but our goal behind this was to give busy people who don't have time, and again, our target market is moms, but it could be anybody, busy um, people who don't think they have time to exercise the opportunity to step back and say, oh, look, I don't have to do as much as I originally thought to create a sense of strength and to create, then have that creation transcend into my mental health and well-being. So that was the basic goal of what we did. And I will pass it along to Catherine. So like how Jen said, there has been very cursorily, tons of research has been done on how aerobic stuff can um, ease anxiety. Uh, so there's been a, a lot of that research and it's shown, yes, definitely doing aerobic exercise is helpful with anxiety. Not much has done, been done on, on strength training and resistance exercise. So there's two articles. One is this Bibo, I don't know exactly how that says, Bibo et al. Um, they found that even just with a, like a single bout of doing like a three by 10 of just a squat, they, they were looking at very, like a knee ex leg extension, um, pretty simplistic exercises. And they definitely, all the people found, or most, you know, statistically significantly found that a lot of the people found they had less anxiety for up to anywhere from 30 minutes to half a day of just definitely feeling like, oh, I feel so much better. Um, Gordon et al., they looked at a meta-analysis of some of the research, again, and not a ton of research uh, that they were able to include in that meta-analysis, but definitely in as little as two weeks, doing a pre-simplistic, again, simplistic programs, um, looking across the studies that people definitely had decreases in anxiety. Um, even if there's not a ton of research, uh, we, were, we were talking about all three of us clinically, what do we find? And even ourselves, you go and maybe I'll be like amped up if I just get up and do a few push-ups. or for me, I have my nice little, um, my little uh, boxing <laughs> boxing bag right there, right? Uh, if I can, you know, do a little bit, which is um, very light, right? But it's a lot of power, force, resistance. Um, going on that boxing bag can just huh, chill me out a little bit, doing some pull-ups, something like that. Um, and again, with, 
I think a lot of times I've found that people think and our fitness culture finds you've got to do, you've got to go to the gym, you've got to get your outfit on, you've got to go run to the gym and be there for an hour, hour and a half. You need two hours of workout. You need to get that hour of soul cycle. No, you freaking don't. You can just be in like playing with your kid, do a set of squats, do a set of push-ups. take the kid and go like this. Like, you know, use the kid. I've doing these virtual calls. My clients have been using their children as a weight. I'm like, sure. How much does she weigh? Perfect. Just pick her up. That's good. That's cool. She's 35 pounds. Sweet. Do your front squat with the kid. I don't care. It's a weight. Um, and it's very, they can do it in a really, really short amount of time. Somewhat like the New York times has found the seven minute exercise and they haven't tested this for anxiety that all that high intensity is more done. They've seen the increases in VO2 with very short amount of um, exercise. Same thing I think can be, again, we can see clinically or kind of go, it probably might be effective just doing very small. These were looking at about 20 minutes to a half hour, but I think with even a 10 minute, just doing or doing it throughout the day, I have my clients have a kettlebell next to their desk, pick it up, you know, bring it up and down and, uh, you know, go with that. And it's definitely can bring down if they're annoyed at that person on the zoom call, it might just chill them out. <laughs> just doing a little walk around the desk with a kettlebell in your hand, sit back down, see how it feels. Brandon, your thoughts? Uh, yeah. And so piggybacking off of what uh, Kat was saying, uh, there are ways to make exercise fit into your environment rather than having to transfer environments, which is not doable for these busy moms. They need to create this environment in a convenient way that is obvious, that's going to have ease of access and it's going to feel doable. So uh, on a very, going back to the granular level, we talked about the, there's two ways to do strength training exercises. There's quick and explosive, and there's also slow tempo, which we've, uh, we had kind of agreed was better for eccentric grooving, for building and burning the motor pattern in. And also from a fear standpoint of doing it right or wrong, slow is just uh, more appealing but it also has a greater impact on the tendons and ligaments for picking up things like you don't warm up to pick up your kid who's crying. There's just, it's not a thing, but uh, also it also demands a little bit more mindfulness to be able to go slow. And I think that is a little bit of an easier sell. Uh, when we're like going back to the first presentation, like does this person want to be doing explosive burpees, beast, but no, probably not. They're just like, look, can I do a few things to just, cool me off because this person has been crying for the last five minutes and I'm the only person, I'm the only adult. I have no, no one to exchange words with. So changing that mental gear um, and also building some confidence and competency uh, instead of saying like, Hey, you need a trainer. It's like, no. Uh, so that I think helps. Well, just overall wellness, feeling competent and feeling like, yeah, I can do this. I can. And so, that was sort of implementation level um, what we agreed with uh, or agreed on, so. And then if you guys wanna see our infograph, should I just share a screen? Oh yeah, yeah. do it, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> so this was, uh, let's see, can you guys see all this, anything? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. perfect. That was our infograph of basically if you are stressed out and anxious, 
try nearly 15 minutes of basic global stuff, right? Squat, maybe a bicep curl, a dip is sort of weird, but um, <laughs> that's what I found free on the Pixabay. Um, and you, then you might feel more like this. So just very, like how you were saying, super simplistic, just stress, try this, feel more or less, right? And it's cool because the way that that little clock, you, would, you could also see that five minutes is okay too in it. Yeah, right. Which is kind of neat. I totally did not see that. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Any, uh, why, and why the moms? Why the mom target? Everybody um, got a mom. Everyone's got a mom, but also just, I think, especially what I've seen right now, I mean, the clients that I know that have moms, the inability for your children to go to school is, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, yeah. That's why we targeted like the a real population that is actually feeling a ramp up in huge life stressors, you know, not being able to relieve that childcare. There are now the homeschoolers. Right. It's, yeah. I mean, my clients are, some of them are just losing their minds. Um, especially with the, anyone like seven and under is just gnarly. I mean, even just this fall was a lot easier with my, he's nine now, he's now nine he's been able to like go on the zoom and do, and like basically independently work the school mm. kids younger. It's, I, there's just, it's impossible. I they're Oh my gosh. I would have gone insane if I had my five and four year old. How seven. Did you have a, a thought or a, a, a means to reach moms? Like, is there, is there, was there a certain way that you wanted to go get them? So we said different, like here and this in my area, there's, um, there's different things like 510 families. There's a lot of internet stuff. Um, okay. Sorry, yeah, 510families.org. There's Berkeley Parents Network. There's a ton of internet, especially because everything's internet, right? We would say, oh, pediatrician office, something like that um, in person, but nobody's going in person anymore. So yeah, it would be Instagram, Instagram, uh, Instagram. Pinterest, Pinterest, Instagram, for sure. right? um, just because I know a lot of moms, I don't do this, but I know a lot of moms, they're all like, oh, I found it on Pinterest. Oh, I saw it on Pinterest. I'm like, that's really cute. Oh, I just copied it on Pinterest. I'm like, okay, that's a thing I guess moms do. Uh, <laughs> Not personally. You but... go after where they are, basically. So yeah. Pinterest or, or groups, social groups that like a Facebook group. Okay. Place. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Thoughts from the group? And what you heard, questions, comments. I think it's really great to bring the, like, the expectation or like idea of what movement is back down, like back into the lived reality. I was thinking about that with the um, kid question when you were being the, the five-year-old um, back then. And same thing here of saying, yeah, your child is awake and saying ultimately like, if we bring it into that basic place of like, maybe you're trying to lift your child to safety. Can you do that? Like, that's a, that's a question. Yeah. I like bringing it into that everyday world. And that, that just, that's just such a cool way that you could develop competency anywhere, anytime that again, I don't have to go to the gym, especially in this COVID thing. Who's been, like, I could do this anywhere I want. And if, if you have access anywhere to build confidence and competency, like your access is there. So go for it. Very nice. Yeah. Anybody else? Hey. 
I see uh, I see a lot of moms uh, when their children is like three four years old, and I ask them uh, when did your pain started, and they say like I don't know like three four months after birth, and uh, it takes them like three four years to uh, go see someone about the pain because they just can't because they are taking care of the baby. So, uh, yes, this kind of help, like you don't, you don't need a trainer or you don't have to go to, uh, somewhere to do something would be like huge for, for moms. Yeah. Jeremy, did you have a, an add on? I mean, I think most of the people are, are saying that like idea of finding like the, that thing that you can do with with what you're already doing, you know, during your life is super important because you see a lot of people want to try to create new habits. They think it needs to be like some kind of resolution. It needs to be some kind of, you know, life shift. But I, I have found personally, you know, and I think a lot of success with, with the, the people that I've worked with is just it's the small steps, you know, and it seems like a completely insignificant, you know, and sometimes when you're already like feeling bad about yourself, it can feel like, you're not actually doing anything, but then as long as you can, you know, stick it out and start to feel like through time, like those, those minutes, hundred percent add up. Um, and I think it's, it's super beneficial. I, I come from like a little bit more of a place like where, uh, where Rufus was, where I was like, uh, working full time, um, first, like as a landscaper. And then like my true like career thing was, um, as a chef. So I was like, you know, 40 to 80 hours in a kitchen standing the whole time, like, leaning over doing stuff like this and um you know trying to train parkour and have my own business in the meantime i would like you know see what creative ways i could do to you know get my ankle prehab in while i'm you know standing for 12 hours a day or i would make sure like okay instead of taking you know one 50 pound bag of flour i'm going to take two because i i need you know i want to i'm not going to be dead anyway so i might as well you know get some little bit of training in and then i found like I remember when I was doing that kind of stuff with landscaping, the first, you know, three or so weeks, I'm just like, just dead, dead. But then as my body starts to like acclimate to it, it's like, oh my, even when I, I do have more energy and then even in my parkour, everything's improved too, because I'm actually getting to train in a way while I'm working, that's helping me in my, my goals. And, um, and it's just like that, you know, that one or two choices and, you know, and having a little bit of, guidance or, or research or know-how I think can be like I think it's like really just about empowering people right um, and to understand the, the ramifications and the power that just one choice one small choice made repetitively can can have absolutely I, I think it, it's very cool I like, think about the parkour mindset talk about making do with what you have <laughs> right like that's the, that's the gig so um, to be able to parlay that into just, you know, someone's house and life and the littlest thing, that's where it can start. That's all it takes. Anybody else? Are we exhausted? I see. I, oh. <laughs> I also like the idea how it brings people together rather than trying to make one person take a time for itself, you know, just are you with them? Okay, do something with them. I think that creates another bond with whoever you're exercising. Yeah. 
I like that idea that connection is nice. Absolutely. Yeah, like lift your kids. Oh, you know, in Dubai, it was so bad, the nanny culture, and we would do like a family class. And there's literally times in the family class where the parent just wants to sit down and have the nanny join the family class with this three-year-old and stuff like that. And you're honestly like, you guys don't need to be paying me for a class. You need to take your kid to a park and like just be with your kid for like an hour, even if you can't do anything, even if you can't lift them up, maybe you can just hold their hand while they like balance across something like, you know, especially when it comes to lines of like families, it's, it's not just about, I mean, it's the, it's the mental health too. Like then why do you, why do you think kids are, you know, anxious? Cause they don't get to like really bond in the ways that we were used to before everything was so technologically, you know, centered. And nowadays you just, you know, deal, let your kid play with the, everyone calls it the ding ding, let her play with like the bright lights and then you don't have to, you know, really engage with them. And, you know, it's a great tool, but it's, it can be misused so easily. Yeah, and that, that feeds into the, you know, the overarching like capitalism culture and like what care is, is, is like, I, I love you. So I'm going to give you this toy so that you can play with yourself by the corner and I can be over here and rest and be like, I love you. I gave you a toy. When a kid's like, I just really would like to interact with a human. If I don't have a human, I guess I'll use this toy. So that could be, we could be opening a whole big bag of worms up, but, but I, I, I like and appreciate that. But again, that's undermining all of this. I, I do want to say that this exercise was very uh, helpful in actually thinking of like, who would we target this instead of just like people who already enjoy movement, like, studying people who have real life situations and understanding and getting into the nitty gritty of how they feel about their bodies. Right? Like, so Rufus, you're, I've always known that about a lot of people who have blue collar jobs. They are super people. They're so stoic and they also don't complain about anything pain related. And they're just like, I just do it. I just get the job done. And they do. And nobody gives them credit for it until someone has to actually change a tire. And they're like, Oh my God, it's so hard. I mean, I'm like so sweaty, just jacking the car. And like, yeah, try that all day, all day. And just showing them some gratitude, I think on that end. And then for people who are out of touch with their bodies, like how do you really swing them back in? Because they're in the busy mode, right? Like going back to the first presentation, the people who are like crippled by busyness, not manual labor business, but just like these millions of tasks. Um, I think this is a good way for us to think of the direction of different pockets of people we can, I guess, like translate what we do into think movement, like, and sell them information that like helps them lead themselves to where they want to go. Like Rufus did like out of a, from a, a shitty place to a less shitty place. I, the, the, the scholarly name for what I think some of this is talking about uh, that I understand is participatory action research and coming from the presumption of knowledge in a person or a community always of like you, what you've been a human for one minute. Well, then you have some knowledge. Cool. Mm-hmm. What might it be? And that's, I think that's another thing that I found in that presentation. And I thought back, I was, I have a trouble thinking about my own answers to questions, but the question that was asked to Kat earlier of the question from the, that you asked again as the five-year-old, like, how do you, how are you going to fix this person? And the question in my head, oh, I actually don't know yet. And like their body might not know yet. Um, But yeah, I do have a lot of experience and I think I have some tricks. And that piece, 
of a like way to approach people and say, is there a trick to this? Even if you don't, even if you have a way of doing it, like maybe they have a different trick um, that you never saw or thought of. Yeah, that, that piggybacks on like the general concept to appreciate where everyone is coming from and to assume they have something to offer, right? Even like I said, even if it's against you, right? You're, you can absorb a mindset like, oh, this is how some people think. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Chris, you did an excellent job as a five-year-old, by the way. <laughs> I was super impressed. I was very spot on. And Kat, the way you were just, I could hear the, the patient tone of explaining yeah. to us. I was like, okay, I hear that for sure. I appreciate it. Nick, Nick calls me the uh, professional child. So I'm, I'm like, I'm just going to run with that, Monica. Let's see what happens. So, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, guys. Um, awesome. Uh, super psyched. I thought this was an awesome round one. So many underlying pieces of groups and people. Um, I would like to make this kind of, you know, why not? Let's kind of make it more of an annual thing. Um, with maybe, you know, a little bit precursor on uh, group stuff, because I think that element is key. And uh, really coming, giving pe folks the time and the space to come up with something, and then let's do something with it. So always my pleasure. Thank you guys for sharing your time and your effort and your energy. Um, I adore you all, and I look forward to, to more to come. Thanks for organizing, Chris. Oh, That's right. Thank you. My Thank pleasure. You. Have a great day. So Thank you. Just make Wait. my day, you all. Uh, how do I find Zainab and Rufus? Oh, uh, they're both on the. They're both on TM. They're both. On okay. The all, all right. Cool. Cool. Um, but what I'll do is I'll I'll make sure everybody has the a copy of everyone's email on my next thing I send out to the group. I think the awesome. Zoom link showed, showed them all the emails to me. Okay. Uh, either or I'll double up when I send out the final. Like here's the videos and audio. Cool. Cool. Sounds good. Okay. Awesome, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Take care.